So last Thursday, um, I've got a word for you today uh, from the Spirit of God. But last uh, Thursday, um, this previous Thursday, I ministered to the congregation uh, by a word of knowledge. Now, for those that may not know that's visiting us today, uh, we welcome you here. We thank God you're here for sure. Um, but that means that sometimes the Lord speaks to us, like he'll give us a word. So many times he'll give me a word. He might give my wife a word. Um, one of our staff members, certainly he'll give you a word as well. But um, as it functions from, this, from the platform to the congregation, typically it's me. And the Lord will give me something that's not something I studied it's not something I researched, right? It's something that I, um, that I received in my heart. I hear it somehow. I don't know how you hear that. I don't know how it all works, but it works. And it's the voice of God. And I wish I could hear him that clearly all the time, but it's a, it's a gift that he gives to people, and the gift gets stirred up, and from time to time, you can hear very clearly what God's saying in that moment. And so that's called the word of knowledge. It's in your Bible. It's also called the word of wisdom though, um, as well. Word of knowledge is to talk about the past. Word of wisdom is talk about the future, gift of prophecy. It's all there. And the Bible says that we're supposed to seek those gifts out. Now, uh, and by the way, I'm a firm per, uh, pr proponent of believing that we should seek the giver of the gift first and not just the gifts themselves. You, you understand, there's a balance to all this. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm walking in, in, uh, right after praise and worship up here, as I, I typically will do. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. I, I began to see something. And that's an indication that he wants to talk. And um, I saw God's people. Um, I saw them uh, trying to swim from the shoreline into the ocean. And that they were being buffeted by these waves, massive waves. And every time they, they you know how it will, it, when a wave passes, it seems like, oh, I can do it now. I can go now. And then when you get out there, there's another wave that crashes down on you. And I could tell the people were getting very weary. They couldn't make it out, out past the shoreline. Every time they get a little bit far out, uh, this massive wave would come crashing down on them, hurt them, push them back to the shore. And at the time, I wasn't sure exactly what it all meant, but I just knew God was going to say something. So I began to, by faith, open my mouth and begin to make, make sense of it. And I said these words um, that I believe is from the Spirit of God, that, that 2018 has been like a struggle. And it's like you've gone out to see, you know, you want to reach out into the deep and you want to go for it with God. But these waves continually cra crash down on you uh, and almost taking your life. And it's overwhelming over your head. It's overwhelming. And every time you go for it, it's like you get smashed, crushed back. It's like the struggle is, is continually happening in your life over. It's like a pattern over and over in your world. And then all of a sudden, I saw God's people in calm waters. And I saw, as I'm, as I'm talking, I saw God's people floating. You know how you can um, tread water? But, but with ease, and you're just, like, you're just chilling on top of the water. And the, the water, the tide was rising. And I felt like the Lord was saying, they're trying to reach into a place I've not called them to. And that's why the struggle has been so difficult. But now I'm going to cause it in 2019 to change and be a time of ease where they begin. I will lift them up. Come on, y'all. I will cause them to rise out of there. You're going to float. Come on, somebody. And then out of that, the Spirit of God spoke to me. And I'll, I'll elaborate on that um, in the coming weeks ahead. But out of that word, I'm speaking on Thursday. And I say this. But not only... Is the Lord going to cause us to rise above, above the tide or with the tide and above our problems? But also the Lord is going to expose what is lying beneath the surface of the water. 
Because when the water gets, come on, y'all. How many, how many know, has there been my Lake Michigan? Come on, y'all. Pretty much everybody lives there, has been. We live, we have the benefit of living on the east side. So a lot of times we'll drive past the lake to get to church or wherever we're going. So daily almost we'll see the we'll see the lake and the lakes if you don't get a chance you live on the different side of town you don't get a chance to see it. you got to come by once a week just get there just drive by it it's just beautiful it's god's creation it looks like it's our ocean come on somebody it, it i know people, I, I have pastors come up from florida and they go wow it's just like our oceans it kind of is you know it's beautiful and whenever the color of the sky changes the color of the lake changes so it's really pretty and uh, we've had the benefit of seeing the lake many times when it's placid and when there's a storm and we notice that when it's a storm, it's not near as pretty. Now, the, the waves are gorgeous. But when the storm is brewing, what happens is the water changes color. And it turns into a brown, sandy, kind of murky, ugly color. Why is that? Come on. The tide is rising because the storm that is brewing and what's happening is it's exposing. Come on. It's churning everything up that's beneath. And y'all shouldn't run out right now. This is the time to say amen and hallelujah because God don't want to expose you to shame you. I said God don't want to expose you to push you out there. What God wants to do is expose to you what needs to be fixed and what needs to be dealt with. Come on. I was going to say something else. Hallelujah. <laughs> so I believe that's the truth. I believe that's whatever's in there is going to come out of you. Exposure. Everybody say exposure. It's a time for exposure. What's in you is coming out. You remind me, of, I told the first service, the story just came back to me. And I, years ago, I, I met, I met uh, you know, your first lady. Come on, somebody. Uh, Pastor Robin. I was, I was, I, I liked it her. Come on, somebody. I did. And, and, so, and so what I wanted to do was I, 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 wanted, to, I wanted to spend more time with her. I wanted to on the phone and, 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 and whenever we could get a you know, chance to steal away and, and just hang out and go to the movies and eat together. And all, I, I, I really liked her. And, so, and then all of a sudden, I, I knew I loved her. And I don't know how a kid, because I met her when I was a kid, I don't know how a kid even knows that, but I just knew that I loved her. And so I wanted to tell the world about my love for her and, and I wanted to especially tell her. And so I didn't just give my love away. I don't just say, I love you, I love you. That's not my deal. But, but especially in those days. So I, it was a big deal to me to tell a girl that I loved her. I never tell anybody, told anybody I loved them before like that. And so uh, I made up this whole, I'm going to do it after work. We're going to meet. And when I get off of work, I'm going to take her behind Logley's. Now, Logley's is a grocery store. You ever been? <laughs> Y'all, you need to pray for your pastor. He's not real romantic. I'm going to take her behind Logley's. And the, remember Ben Franklin stores? Remember Ben Franklin? It, it was attached to Ben Franklin. Logan was a grocery store. Ben Franklin, Rockton Avenue in Rockford, Illinois. And behind there was, um, was, behind there was a bridge. Not a nice bridge. But that's where I decided I was going to tell her I love her. There was that storm sewer. Come on, I was right underneath it. I, I should have thought that one through a little better. But I had to tell her. I had to tell her I loved her. So I said, come here. So we took a little walk behind Logley's. And uh, we went onto the bridge. And, and she said, what's going on? And she could tell I was getting serious. I said, I just want to tell you. And I'm sweating. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. And, I, and my hands are clammy. And, and I got the big thing in my throat. And I'm going, I, I'm going to say something. I don't want to be rejected. Come on. I want to say something. I love you. And I don't want to be rejected. But I'm going to tell you something. The truth will expose. Come on, somebody. So I get it out. I said, well, I just want to tell you that I am what I am. I want to tell you that I'm, she's just looking at me and go, I want to tell you that I, that I love you. And she looked me right dead in my eyes and said, thanks, and then walked away. <laughs> what kind of trifling business was that? <laughs> Ex 
exposed. <laughs> What's that? She loves me now. <laughs> 35 years later, she loves me. I just had to hang on. You got to hang on. I said, you got to. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> your destiny is like taking a snapshot with your camera. Now, millennials, there was something called a camera. Not a phone that takes pictures, but a camera. And you had to go to the store and you had to buy film to put in the camera. And then you had to buy, if you had a nicer one, you had to buy a cube, a flash cube. You had to put on the top. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Then they got real sophisticated. They built them suckers in. Remember, he had, it went from these to. Oh, yeah. And he got the little thing in the hand. So you could hang it from your wrist. But you still had to have film. And so you'd take a picture, and then you'd take it to the Walgreens or wherever you went. Huh? Kmart and where else? Places. They were so sophisticated, they had little places, little huts outside of Kmart. Remember that? And there was a one-hour photo, and you went over there, you dropped off. Y'all kids don't even know nothing about what I'm saying. They said, you did what? Why don't you just upload it? We can't. We, we couldn't upload it. It was an impossibility at that time. So, um, and you had to wait a day or so. Or maybe sometimes you pay a little more money, get it an hour, you know, a little more money. So, but you take a picture. Now, here's the deal. Now, anybody knows that's into photography that understands this. If it's exposed too soon, it'll be ruined. The picture has to go through a process. Your vision has to go through a process. And the process is called development. And if you go through the proper process of development, you can see the picture for all it's worth. But if it gets exposed too soon, if it's not dealt with properly, is what I'm trying to say. If you don't allow the Holy Ghost to develop your spirit, man, and develop your character, and develop the image of God in the inside of you, what happens is the picture or the vision becomes ruined. The good news is you can take another picture. And that's what I'm believing for 2019. Some of y'all have been working on the process and it's going to come to pass. Some of y'all are going to take another picture. Let me just say that some of you are in a storm. And it's begun to expose what has been lying or laying at the bottom of your life. It's exposing the fears that's been going on. It's exposing the anxieties, exposing the anger, exposing the jealousy, exposing the hatred, exposing the hurts, the unforgiveness. How about this? And 21st century preachers, we got to preach this some more. Exposing the sin. Not to harm me. But to get me to deal with it before it ends up hurting me and ruining my life. Mark 6, chapter 45. Immediately, 
He made his disciples get into a boat and go before him on the other side, to the other side, to Bethsaida. In other words, Jesus gives a command to his disciples, go to the other side, to Bethsaida. That's a command from the word of God. While he sent away the multitudes. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone in the sea. And then he saw them straining at rowing. It got tough out there, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. And when, he, when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. Something about getting in the boat. And they were greatly amazed at themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Talking about the five five loaves and two fish. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret. Now, Jesus told them, you go to the other side, go to Bethsaida. But they end up at Genesaret. And they anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately people recognized him, ran through, ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry out beds, those who were sick to wherever they heard he was and wherever he entered into villages, cities, and countries. They laid the sick in the marketplaces and revival broke out and signs, wonders, and miracles began to happen and they begged him that they might touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched him were made well. Church, there are reasons for the storms that come into your life and they're not always negative and a lot of times they're not of the devil. You got to hear this preacher today. Because I have rebuked the devil and nothing happened. Now, if it was the devil, the devil's got to obey me every time I rebuke him in the name of Jesus. So what else is going on here? The number one reason is because I believe that the storm has come into your life. It's all about where you're going. It's all about your destiny. It's all about where you're supposed to go. They set sail, and Jesus said, go over to the other side. Go to Bethsaida. Where's Bethsaida? Well, it's just an ordinary place. They're going to do some ministry. They're just being obedient to God. But when the storm hit them in the midst of the sea, everything changed, and Jesus got up in the boat with them, and they were no longer heading to Bethsaida, but because of the wind that was strong, they ended up sailing to a place of Genesaret, and Genesaret is the place of breakthrough, the place of miracles, the place of signs and wonders. Who's ready to see some breakthrough in their life? They were heading somewhere else, church. They weren't going to Genesaret. Bethsaida. He was going to marry that thug, but a storm came and broke your heart, but saved your destiny. You was building that business relationship, but a storm came, brought you disappointment, but ended up saving your integrity. You were going to, your marriage was content, but a storm came, rocked your world, but evidently God knew because it brought you closer to him than you've ever been before. The storm, I said the storm, let it blow. 
which you thought for evil, God means for good. Your life is built on a foundation. And whatever that foundation is will determine the kind of destiny that you have. I'm not talking about champagne wishes and caviar dreams. I remember old Robin Leach back in the day. You remember? Campaign riches and caviar dreams. That was a little Australian. I'm sorry about that. He was British. No, that ain't going to get it. I'm talking about your real destiny, a life of purpose. And to get it, you need a solid foundation of which you can stand and build your life on. That's why Jesus said, he said, take, he said, take notes on this, boys. He said there was a man, two men, and they both built the house. And they both built identical homes. Two stories. You know, I'm making it up now. Two and a half bath, four bedrooms, rec room, family room, jacuzzi. Come on, someone say amen to that. Two car garage. Amen. And so that's nice, right? Beautiful. Both had the exact same plans. Exact same deadlines. Finished the project on the exact same day. He said, but here's the problem. One man, he built his house on Sam. And he said what he didn't understand was there was a storm that was coming to his house. I'd like to tell you today that you, when you come find Jesus, everything's going to be okay. And you ain't never going to have a problem. I found out the opposite. When I came to Jesus, I had a few more problems, but I have a life that's worth living and I get to go to heaven and I know God personally. But the devil ain't going to let me just go run and do what I want to do. For Jesus, he's going to fight me so I know I'm in a battle. And sometimes the storm comes and God will allow the storm to come in your life to find out what is actually going on and what is your foundation. He said, so that man built a house on the sand. And he said, when he built the house on the sand, it was beautiful. But the storm came. You see, the winds began to blow on the house. And the rains came and descended upon the house. And the floods came and came up on the house and beat on that house and beat on that house. And before too long, that house broke down in a thousand pieces and was swept out to sea. Why? Because he built his life. He built his house on shifting sand. He said, but there's another man who built another house, and he did it the same time frame, but he built his house on a rock, and when the winds came, and the floods rose up, and the rain beat upon that house, sure enough, he might have had a shutter hanging off, or a door off the hinges, but he still had his house! In 2019, we gotta still be here! In 2020, we can't be playing games and building our houses on the wrong foundation. That's why you can't have one foot out there in the world. The world's going to kill you, take you out. You better thank God you got a church to come to that preaches the word of God, that gives God all the praise, that backs you. I don't know about you. But I come in here struggling sometimes because I'm just a human being like you are. And I say, God, I need you tonight. God, I need you today. And by the time I get here after the second song, I feel a confidence and a bold, a boldness I couldn't get sitting home while I was praying. But when I got in your presence and we got together in his presence, One can put a thousand to fight. Two can put 10,000 to fight. That's why we need the church. 
Some of y'all can't make it two times a week. It ought to be seven times a week. Because you come out of this place on fire, double dog daring the devil to come and try to attack you. Why? Because you're building your house on a rock. Which is his word. It said it's his word. You can't take my word for it. You got to take his word for it. The Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? No matter how good our God is and how powerful he is, if our foundations are destroyed, what else can we do at that point? I don't care what pop culture says. I don't care what the world says. They didn't die for me. I want to know what Jesus is saying. I'm concerned with what he's got to say in my life. What is your foundation? What are you building your life on for 2019? Because when the storm comes to confront you and expose you, you better know where you stand. You're either going to be in the culture or you're going to be in the kingdom. Which one is it? And I didn't say you're perfect. And I didn't say you're going to get it right every, every turn. But I want to I preach to some people that have a heart that says, I can't live the way I've been living. I'm wrong. I'm, I'm a man of grace. You can fall a thousand times and be the worst sinner in the world. And I'll be the first one to help you back up on your feet and help you back, get you where you need to be. I don't condemn other preachers when they fall. If they fall, I'm the first one to say, we need to pray for them and lift them up. We haven't lived a mile in their shoes. We don't know what's going on. But the problem I have is when that same preacher that fell or that same parishioner that fell have no desire to repent and say, I was wrong. It's a foundation that is destroyed. So what can I do? I can't help you. You have to help yourself on this one. People need to just own up to their wrongdoing. Not be condemned by it. Be thankful that he will forgive me of my sin. Jesus. Church, if God allowed the storm to come into your life, it's not meant to destroy you. It's meant to guide you. The same wind that threatens to capsize your life, that same wind can push you into your destiny. Look at Psalm chapter 107, verse 24, please. They see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep, for he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro, stagger like a drunken man. Well, that makes sense if you're up on top of a, a ship and you're in the middle of the sea and it's tossed and turned. You're gonna be, you're, this is what you're going to be doing. You can't stabilize. And they're at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he bring, <clears throat> brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that, that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. How many loves when the storm goes quiet? Amen. God 
cause the storm. It may not fit your theology real well, but the Bible says he causes the raging seas in our life. He stirs up everything that's going on in our world, but when we cry out to him in our trouble and we're repentant of what we've done and we're asking him, what can we do? And Lord, you're all I need. And we start talking that kind of talk and speaking his word back to him. Hang with me for just a moment. Now all of a sudden what happens? He hears the cry and calms the winds and calms the seas and they go quiet so he guides them to the desired haven. Those disciples were going to Bethsaida but the storm was meant to guide them to Genesaret where Jesus' ministry breaks out a hundredfold stronger than it ever had before. Psalms 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say this continually. Let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. That word prosperity means to do well. God takes pleasure in you doing well. It also means to go over any obstacle in your way. He calls you to go over. It does him pleasure for you to go over and also does him pleasure to arrive. That's what it means. To arrive at the intended destination. God's will for your life is intentional. Nothing happens without purpose. I know some of y'all have been through hell. You're going through hell right now. You've been through hell for two, three years. It has not been an easy situation in your life, but you put the smile on and God bless you. God bless you for doing that. You're not trying to fake it. You're just trying to say, I'm trusting. But there's not, all of that is not for naught. There's a purpose behind it. There's an intention behind it. The storm gives you an idea that you're being moved into another season. It's a, it's a time of transfer from one place to another, transition rather, from one place to another place. You thought you had your life all penned out, ready to go one direction. God said, I got a whole other plan for you, and it's way better than what you thought it was. There are mile markers on life's way to let you know you're going in the right direction. Absolutely. And it's always on purpose. And if you don't see the right mile marker, you might be on the right road going the wrong way. So if you're heading towards Chicago today, you're heading to Chicago, and you end up in Madison, same road, different direction. And I'm trying to help you by the Holy Ghost to get in the right direction and let you know that there's things in your life you can look at and go, wow, I, God, I was designed for this. I was designed for that. I can look back on my, life, on my life before we began this church, and I can say, wow, God, you were preparing me, and I didn't even know it. Two, I, I, two places I worked for, I worked all my life, but for two places I worked before I came into full-time ministry, two companies. They were both startup companies from scratch. So the boss didn't really know what he was doing, and, and, and I would help him. And I'd gather information and do all the work, and it would just be the two of us, and we got the business up and running. I was just a kid. And then I got hired by somebody else. Same thing. Helped them do the same thing from, uh, from start to finish. Learning all the ropes. Didn't know nothing. Didn't even know how to fill out a work order. Had to have a truck driver tell me how to fill out his work order. So I'm, I'm learning. Growing, 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 growing. Learning, learning, learning. Do all this stuff. And so, and then right from there, I went into full-time ministry. So my mom and dad and us, we started a church in Beloit, Wisconsin in 1989, y'all. I was young and I looked real good. Y'all should have saw me back in 1989. I was buffing stuff. Come on. I still in by faith. Amen. He's still in there. Amen. 
And so, uh, and so and we were young, but we planted that church. So we did from zero, come on, from nothing, to beginning to build into a church. And then we went from there, we went to Madison, another church, zero, and began to build it up from there until God sent us here. Zero has built us up, up to all these years. My point is, he was preparing me to do apostolic work, which is foundational work from nothing to what he wanted it to be. Wow. And if you look over your life, you'll see there are mile markers to let you know this is just who you are. You can't even help it. Why are you telling me you're a singer and we know you can't sing? I'm going to go on the voice and everybody's going, oh, Jesus, please, Lord, Jesus, help them. Why? Because that's not your deal. Now, maybe you can sing, but you're not that level to sing. I can sing, but I'm not, I'm not going to go on the show. Why? I'm not at that level. That's a whole different level, right? So my point is, that's not really my gifting. It's one of the gifts I have. But God will cause you to see something greater. Who's ready for 2019 to see something greater? Amen. Hallelujah. Let me show you the direct connection to you and your destiny. James 3, verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at the ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. So the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles. He's telling us. That the way you connect with your destiny is right here with your tongue. And a tongue, the rudder of a ship is very small, but it has all the power. It's been given all the power to direct the ship into the direction. So when the headwinds come and they are strong, you fill up those sails with wind. But that, that's great. That's God's, that's God's part. That's God's part. So that's God's part. He takes care of the winds. But the pilot, the captain, takes care of the rudder. Someone ought to write that down. That's good. He can't control your tongue. You got to control your tongue. And your tr tongue will give direction of your life. He said death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who eat it will eat the fruit thereof. Didn't say death and life are in the power of the devil. Doesn't even say death and life are the power of God. We know he is all life. We know this. But that's not what that's saying. It's saying it's putting the responsibility back on you. So when you start talking death talk for 20, uh, 2019, just know that's the kind of life you're going to have. Well, I, this is wrong, and I've been treated wrong. Quick, get out of that victim mentality. We've all been treated wrong somewhere. Well, feel bad for me. Just at least feel bad for me. I don't want to feel bad for you. And best guess what? When I'm down, please don't feel bad for me. Pick me up and say, come on, preacher. If i gotta, if I got to walk you myself. But I'm not going to feel bad for you and cry all day. We got to get you where you got to get. Amen. Amen. So your words carry power and force. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So what are you speaking about for 2019? More of the same? Or do you have a plan? Or you believe in God for something great? Job, we talk about Job all the time and how terrible it was for Job. But it was terrible for Job. But look what happens here in Job 3.25. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. And, I, and, I, and what I dreaded has happened to me. I am not at ease. And then he tells us how the thing he greatly feared and dreaded came upon him. 
I am not at ease, nor am I somewhere Job opened his mouth. And how do we know? Because the next part of that verse says, for trouble comes. He's already relegated to the fact that stuff's happening and more trouble's on its way, and he's bringing it into existence with his tongue. It's all through the word of God. You say, well, give me the positive. I'll give you time. I got time. I've been preaching the words matter. You need to be here on Thursday nights to get the rest. I mean, God's speaking to us. The morning night's going to be powerful, guys. This morning night's going to be powerful. But regardless, you can get online as well. But my point is this. I'll give you a positive. Jesus could not. I don't know if some of y'all are ready for this one. But you can, you can look up the scriptures and tell me if I'm wrong. Not today, but later. Amen. <laughs> Anytime. So I'm not wrong. Jesus could not have come back from the grave unless he spoke it. And he said, I say nothing unless the Father tells me to say it. He said, you make the tree good or you make the tree evil by the things we speak. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Give me a scripture verse. Well, I don't have the actual. I'll get it for you. I will. But someone can look it up. But he said, they'll tear this temple down. And he said, and this he spoke of himself. But in three days it shall rise again. He had to speak. He had to speak what he was believing for. Job twenty two twenty eight. You will also declare a thing, and it will be established. You'll speak a thing, you decree a thing, and it will be established. The word established means cause to be recognized and accepted, to be set into a secure position for you, so light will shine on your ways when they cast you down, and you say, exaltation will come. In other words, when trouble comes your way and they're pulling you down and telling you're not able to do it, you'll decree a thing, it'll be established, and instead of speaking what they're saying, instead of speaking like they talk, he said, when they cast you down, you speak something else. You say, exaltation shall come. Promotion shall come. Breakthrough shall come. Let me hear you say it. Promotion shall come. Breakthrough shall come now. Now give the Lord a shout about it. Come on. Exaltation will come. Exaltation will come. When they cast you down, you say, you say, exaltation will come. Then, then, then he will save the humble person and he will even deliver one who's not innocent. Yes, he'll be delivered by the purity of your hands. When I speak what God has already said, even if I'm guilty, he makes me innocent. What do you mean? Give me scripture verse on that. Give me some scripture verse. I will. I will. If we confess our sin, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of all 
all unrighteous. He makes the guilty person innocent by the things I say. Can he be born again without it, folks? With the heart, one believes in the righteousness, and that's a great start. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. This is going, this preach right here. This will preach good. So once God tells you your destiny, I'm wrapping it up. Once he tells you your destiny, and he gives you the Maya markers, the indication of it, and every one of you got one, so don't even try to go out of this room and say, well, I ain't got no destiny. That's that loser talk. That's that, that's, that, that's that feel sorry for me talk. That's that pity talk. How far have you gotten so far with that kind of talk? Nowhere. Stop that. You're important. You're important. Well, I wish I could have a gift like you. I could get up there and talk to everybody. I can't do that. Why are you looking at me? Quit. Look, don't compare yourself to me. And I can't, I can't console someone like you can, or I can't cook like you can, or I can't, I can't, I can't um, create like you can. I, there's lots of things. We go down, all of us. Don't you understand? There ain't nobody, ain't nobody on planet Earth doesn't look at somebody else and go, man, I wish I had that. But that's a means to an end, and it will cause nothing but misery and depression in your life. People are more, more depressed today than ever before since, since 2009 when social media went gangbusters. Do you know why? They're more connected than ever before, but more miserable and depressed. Why? Because all they do day and night is compare themselves with everybody else online thinking they got a great life, and yours sucks, and yours is bad. Excuse me if you don't like the word sucks. But it's okay. Amen. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that, is that their life isn't what they're making it out to be either. And we're comparing with what, guys? I want you to be happy this year. Right? You're, you couldn't be on planet Earth. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You couldn't be breathing right now. Me looking at you, you looking at me, unless God purposed it to be. We get that because he told the prophet, Jeremiah, he said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and called you and ordained you to be a prophet. So that tells me God already had a purpose for us before we got here. And I couldn't be here without the purpose. Here's the cool thing. You don't like what's going on in your life right now? It's been tough for you and you feel like you don't have, have it right now? You still got air in your lungs? You can find it this year and begin the process on your journey. And once he gives that to you, your tongue is what controls it or keeps it on course. The Bible says your tongue is like the pen of a ready writer, which means your tongue is like the pen of an author. In other words, he's ready to start new journeys, write new stories, chart new courses. See, I, I believe that storms become personal. And that's the reason why some people falter and f fail so bad and so hard is because, because it becomes personal. When Peter got up out of the boat, remember he said, he looked like, he said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come upon the water. And, he, and Jesus said one word. He said, come. And Peter threw his leg over that boat and walked up on that water. What, what was he walking on? We say water, but you can't walk on water. Right? So what was he walking on? He was walking on the word that Jesus spoke and he received and believed it so much that he did the word. Woo, so preach. One word, come, okay. Walks on the foundation of that word and does something supernatural that nobody else could do. Amen. And the Bible says he's up on that water walking to Jesus going, oh my God, I'm on water. And next thing he knows, oh, my God, I'm on water. 
oh my God, what am I doing on this water? Because he looked around, took his eyes off of Jesus. He was so happy to come to him. But then we looked around and realized I'm doing what I shouldn't be doing. And he saw them waves coming. And he saw the winds boisterous. And it became personal. When he was in the boat, he didn't have that. But when he got out of the boat, it became personal. Amen? And he began to sink. Help me, Lord. And Jesus reaches down and picks him up. I love that about Jesus. Didn't even scold him, just picked him right up. Carried him back to the boat. And when he got put him in the boat, he says these words, Oh, you of little faith. Peter walked on water. I ain't never walked on water. I'm scared to ask him what kind of faith I got. If that's little faith, oh my Lord. Am I right? Yet he did it. I don't know that it's necessary that we walk on water unless it was something we had to do and we needed it. We were out in the ocean, something happened. Okay. But I don't think we need to go show anybody how to do that, right? Have a conference of walking on water. Water walkers. Water walkers conference 2019. We charter a boat and go out in Lake Michigan. Now you go first. Now you go first. The Lord told me, you're supposed to go first. <laughs> right? I would, be, I would want to be the first one. Shows how it's done, man. Um, right. So I don't think that's necessary. But what I'm thinking is, is the Lord showing us something that even something like this that actually took place, if, if that could happen. And he called it little faith. What in the world are we doing with what he's given us because church the last element of this the rise of the tide that's coming alive it's going to take faith to ride that thing out we're going to do things that we ordinarily wouldn't do and we start doing it we might freak out that we're actually doing them and start getting that unworthy feeling it gets personal unworthy i'm not worthy of that i'm not i shouldn't be doing this well, what am i doing up here and we lose all that god has for us there will be people in 2019, you listen to what your pastor is saying to you, and you'll, it'll come to pass. When you step out in faith, listen to me, you're going to have people that you love that are going to mock you. And they're going to persecute you. And you're going to love them anyways. But you've got to get them out of your inner circle. Now, listen to me. Love them. I didn't say not be there for them. I didn't say don't, you know, don't, you can't, you can't, you know, I didn't say none of that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about certain people can't be in your inner circle because they're so familiar with you until they don't have respect for who you're trying to become and they'll always pull you back down to where they're at. Am I right about that? So listen to me. I love all people. That's what the church exists for. But I would rather lose you than lose my destiny. Because that's what I was created for. That's just hard. No. Nowhere in scriptures to say that. I'm, no, no. My job is to fulfill the assignment he's given me. 
And then there'll be people that will come along you that will blow your mind, that will take that position, that place, and be glad to be partnered with you and think the world of you and you them, and you will just go together in Christ and, and build, 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 and do great things for the, for, the, for the kingdom. This year, we're going to ride the tide. Come on. Ride the tide. Did y'all get something out of that today?